Hi, Taylor. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of Honey and Heart podcast. Ooh. We are doing it. <laughs> um, we are talking about all the intersections between womanhood and leadership. Yes, and we're hoping for this to be a place for us to chat, people to listen, and for people to connect with us. Leadership is something that kind of comes up every day in every walk of life. It's not an elected position. It's not a management position. It's being a leader in your life and community. So today, we are going to focus on female leadership during the pandemic and leadership during the pandemic in general. Yes. So I guess before we get into it, let's talk the pandemic real quick because it's happening. Um, Today is October 12th that we're recording this and it's likely still happening when you're listening to this, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And so we did plan out to kind of have a couple of these episodes in our pockets so we can be polished with a rollout of info to you guys. So If you're listening to this, you know more about the current state of the pandemic in 2021 than we do. And I hope it's better. I hope it's better for sure. I hope mask me drops off our list of vocab in 2021. Not here for the mask me, the acne. It's a dumb word. It's a dumb word. (laughs) I am getting the line of like glasses, mask, but I've also perfected the perfect mask makeup look of truly just globs of mascara and I'm out the door ready to go. Yeah, I do like that. I don't have to smile at strangers. Agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, so this pandemic crazy didn't see that one coming in 2020. Didn't see it coming yet. We did see it coming. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people in power saw it coming. Some people in power had opportunities to make better decisions for how to navigate this pandemic, and they did not. And so we are Mm -hmm. still dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, there was like an unofficial pandemic. Well, or I don't know if they called it a pandemic task force, but something of the like created under the Obama administration. Yes. No longer in existence. Yes. So, in 2018. Yeah, that's where we're at. Yes. So if you are living in the United States of America, which the majority of people listening to this podcast are, unfortunately, our country is on the list of not doing good, bro. Yeah, we can't. We're banned to travel quite a few places right now. We are currently banned to travel quite a few places. And as Taylor said, it's October 12th. We're recording this and um, COVID, active COVID cases are the highest they've been since early August. So unfortunately, it does seem like that second wave is here. And so we just kind of want to take some time to talk about leadership in the time of a pandemic. And also, although you may not be seeing it on American media, there are some countries that are handling this very, very well, well, actually already handled it. Yeah. And they have some amazing women who happen to be leading some of those countries. Yeah, they've definitely kicked ass in other countries. And just, I can't even imagine what it would be like living in a country that the pandemic is like basically done with there right now like I can't even imagine what that's gonna be like or when that's going to happen for us so it'll be interesting to see but yeah some of those countries I mean Germany 
Yes. And for me, New Zealand is the one that is top of mind. I was wondering, do you have a country that's top of mind that you think handled it really well or that you're seeing handle it, handled it well? Um, as I was doing research for this recording today, Taiwan surprised me being on the list of doing really well. I haven't heard much about that. And they're actually like making masks for us and sending them over. Yes. And then um, Finland has a super young what is she called? President, head of state. I wish I knew. Yeah. World's youngest head of state is what this is. So let's call her that. <laughs> but yeah, she is a millennial. Yes. And it was interesting. I'm so, I'm so interested in the head of state for Finland. I like saw her on TikTok the other day. This guy was just like going to grab a coffee at his local neighborhood coffee shop in Finland. And he was like, oh, and right here we have the head of state. And she was just like walking down the street, said hi, answered some questions. And she seemed so down to earth. And I think it was an article that you shared that was saying she was using social media to her benefit and to the benefit of Finnish people to spread information. Yeah, I think, I don't know if they worded it like this, but mobilizing those influencers, super smart. And let's hope that Trump doesn't get a hold of TikTok, though. Her Twitter's enough. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) But that's one of the things that stood out, like her being a millennial and using social media to like help battle coronavirus and get the word out. I thought it was super smart, but would be something I I feel like a lot of male leaders would not think to use that as a means to get information out. So it's like one of those things that women are seen as, you know, oh, that's a very feminine thing to think of or silly, stupid thing actually paid off a lot for her. Well, absolutely. And even when you think about the way social media is used in the United States, like Facebook is one of the biggest culprits for misinformation. So the fact Mm -hmm. that she kind of, you know, used that same car, but put a different driver in it and decided to really push for accurate information and to supply to social media influencers. I love mobilize the influencers. (laughs) I just thought that, I mean, not to give like too much credit or sound too much like a millennial myself, but honestly genius. Yeah. For reals. I mean, I can't even go on Facebook anymore. I don't know about you, but it is just turned into this beast. But um, yeah, Instagram, I mean, Instagram's been where it's at for a minute, though. I'm not going to lie. Agreed. (laughs) But yeah, I think we can maybe backtrack a bit, though, to talk about. So overall, there's not that many countries with female leaders, of course. No surprise there. I think um, 10% of only around 10% of countries in the world are led by women. Um, crazy. And it is crazy. And it was so interesting. So before I get into just kind of like spouting off like stats and statistics, I do just mm-hmm. kind of want to say Taylor and I both tried to do a little bit of research before this episode. We set aside a couple articles. We made some notes because I'm very guilty of really speaking to the things that I'm passionate about, but I don't want anything to get lost in translation. And I don't want people to think that I'm just like making things up. Mm-hmm. So we do have a little cheat sheet of some stats and some articles. And it was really interesting. So seeing that 
only around 10% of countries in the world are led by women. And then also seeing, I think it was from that Harvard Business Journal article that we read, it was saying, you know, imagine a country that discredits 50% of its population as not good leaders. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, we're 50% women. So it is just so interesting when you when you see it that way. Yeah. And I think even our workforce has skewed to be like maybe at that 52% range of women. So we're even get creeping into the majority, you know, with all these stats too. We'll do the podcasty thing and link them in the show notes. So <laughs> if you guys want to go collaborate or if we misspeak, which could definitely happen, we're humans. So, and we're not professionals, but we love talking about this stuff. That's why we're here. So (laughs) I was probably a little too into reading some of these articles. Uh Learning about the leader of Finland and Taiwan interested me much. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't even know that those countries were female led. I don't know if that's embarrassing, but (laughs) I don't know that I did either. I knew New Zealand was female led because I follow Jacinda on Instagram, which is another example of like women leaders using social media to their benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, She really has just Jacinda is, I believe, the prime minister of New Zealand, just giving such like a heartfelt response and really coming across as somebody who was like calm, cool and collected. And then as far as Finland being female, um, female run, like it's a business, um, (laughs) governed by women. I do remember when the head of state for Finland was elected Mm -hmm. that she had like an all millennial female cabinet or something along those lines. I feel like, let me double check that before I talk out of pocket. But um, I remember that going around. It was a picture of like her cabinet and it was like all young women. Oh, that sounds ideal. (laughs) So Overall countries, the 10% of female-run countries, the very few stats we have to work with here, the countries led by women have suffered six times fewer deaths from COVID-19 than countries led by men. So again, not to conflate the stats here because there's not a lot to pull from, but there is not a shortage of articles on this topic either. So I think that says something that people are definitely noticing this and seem to, you know, have an interest into why countries led by women have such that great difference in deaths than male led countries. Um, I was definitely interested in it. Yeah. And it's interesting. So I'm kind of wondering your opinion Mm -hmm. too on this, Taylor. You know, there was a lot of articles about them, like New York Times, Washington Post, Harvard Business Review that we were reading that really kind of like backed up the point of today's topic, just that the response from women-led countries led to a better result. And I personally feel that when I look at the women-led countries, I'm really inspired and really hopeful that maybe, you know, we'll take a cue Mm -hmm. from them. But personally, I don't know if I feel that like the majority of media, the majority of online people, the majority of my friends and family are really noticing that these female led countries are responding better. And I wish that that was more of a kind of clear, concise view so that hopefully we could like make our way in that direction. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard a lot about it at all from people. And I think why is because a lot of people jump to like, 
comparing the U.S. to whatever country it is and just saying, oh, it's just so totally different. It's, you know, comparing apples to oranges and I'm not disagreeing, but also it's still a country that has a government to run. So I feel like there's enough similarities there to at least to at least give it some recognition, you know, and maybe not a lot of oomph behind it. But from what I've read and just from like thinking about the pandemic, if you get sick on it and how people deal with that, like, don't you think of like your mom? <laughs> mom, I'm sick. And you know, just for like leaders in general, I feel like women are really good at handling things like this, you know, and part of it, I guess, is thanks to society for putting us in uh, a bit of a stereotypical mothering, nurturing role. But as much of a box that sometimes society puts us in, we find good things to squeeze out of it. And I think this is definitely one of those things for women. <laughs> totally. And another interesting thing that I was seeing in reading the articles, which had never really crossed my mind is that for a lot of these countries, and we could maybe even bring the U.S. into this kind of field of view. So, I mean, putting New Zealand, Germany, and Uh the U.S. all in one pool, women are not held to the same standard as men. And for women to be elected into these positions, they probably Uh have to be overly qualified. And so I thought that that was really interesting, just saying how there's a chance that since these women had to work so hard and overcome so many obstacles and prove to so many different people that they were capable on multiple levels, that they were already Uh set up for success in their office. And it's kind of like a double-edged sword for women. It's unfair that you have to work twice as hard to get noticed, let alone like women of color, queer women, um, Mm -hmm. people who identify as women. But knowing that you kind of have to go through all of this BS to get where you want to be, like Jacinda over in New Zealand, like she's got this. Like that's really what I thought, you know, that she's so hard to prove that she can be a competent and qualified prime minister. So whatever is laid at her feet, she's going to follow up on it confidently and competently. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that shows, you know, like you said, it's another one of those things that society has that we've squeezed out of the box of good things from, you know, what they put us in. But yeah, I mean, how women have been handling the pandemic and just like communicating with their countries is just very different from what we are seeing in the U.S., um, which is like, <laughs> how do we even describe it? <laughs> really? Yeah. Let's not try. Let's not try. Yeah. People know. People know. <laughs> But um, they're being super transparent, like these women-led countries, they jumped on it from the start and locking things down, which could still be controversial looking back at it, but I think the numbers speak for themselves when you look at their cases now. And, you know, their summer was a bit more fun than ours, I would say. Yes. <laughs> well, and it's funny, too, like I brought up TikTok earlier, but sometimes I'm seeing things online and I'm like, oh, how dare you like be walking around without a mask? How dare you be whatever, whatever? And then I'm like, oh, not everybody is living in our reality right now. Oh, not yeah. everybody is living in America, coronavirus times. Other people are in the timeline, in the trajectory of coronavirus. Other people have like 
gotten through it. Yeah. It's so weird, too, because in the U.S., like, I always forget that we're such a giant country overall. And so we're pretty spread out. I mean, obviously, we have some main city centers, and we're both in major metropolitan areas. Um, So for us, we're, like, very much in it. But, too, in other parts of the U.S., it's could be totally different but even then I get like (laughs) still I get that anxiety too that you say when you see people like what are you doing but yeah I mean crazy to think that we will be there hopefully by the time this podcast is out but doubtful going into the winter Lord hear our prayer but um, (laughs) but it's interesting too just kind of how you brought up that the United States is bigger and that is something that I was reading in a lot of these articles and that you kind of touched on earlier is Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be an apples to oranges comparison. Like the United States does deal with issues that other countries don't because we are so diverse. There's diversity Mm -hmm. in like racial issues. There's huge income inequality here. There's a lot of like us versus them with city Mm -hmm. versus people who live in more rural communities. So that may tie into it as well. Yeah. I think it's um, probably a better comparison So if you're outside the U.S., um, you may not know that most of, like, any sanctions that have been implemented during the pandemic have come from a state or a more local level. So I think it would be better to compare, you know, just to a state to, you know, a country like Finland or Taiwan. But even from that perspective, too, like, I mean, most of our states, uh, most of our states are male-led, not all course so you know i think some of what we're still talking about applies even at that level for sure totally and i mean i was even thinking about this as well like yes we have a male president but it's about so much more than just like our male president the person who was supposed to be in charge of the coronavirus tax force was our male vice president Mm -hmm. and um most of president trump oh my god i think that's only like the fourth time i've ever said that out loud Okay. Um, uh, but our president has a mostly male cabinet and most of the decision making is is coming from men at the top. There are states that are handling it well. And mm-hmm. but I mean, female led states look to Michigan, the governor there. There was just a plot for her kidnapping. Like these things are just absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. And Michigan was a state that was taking coronavirus incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. They had many communities that had outbreaks very, very early on. And unfortunately, it just led to a lot of anger within Mm -hmm. the state. Yeah. If you guys haven't heard about that, go read up. Don't know how you haven't. Um, I guess this is like three months later. So it's definitely old news. And (laughs) hopefully she's still okay. And there's not another plot out there. Because I feel like, I mean, there's still arresting people for it and like 20 plus people not all of them have been identified but also just if you haven't heard about it by the time that this comes out definitely go read up on it but even if you had heard about it and you're like oh this is old news two months old this is still an incredibly important topic the coronavirus is something that is going to be front of mind for a long time we are all still going through this Mm -hmm. but it also kind of blew my mind a little bit because i'm not seeing much about like yes i'm seeing a lot about the fact that there was the kidnapping Mm -hmm. excuse me attempted kidnapping but i feel like that is 
huge news. That is a huge oh, yeah. to national security, to state security. It is so sad, honestly, that a female elected official still has to worry about just being a woman, just being alone in a parking lot, trying to navigate her way through life, knowing that people are actively plotting against her. That is just absolutely insane. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I mean, my level of anxiety right now at baseline, being a normal person, and then put me in that situation. Holy cow. So no wonder, like, these women literally have to be extra strong, extra fierce. And, you know, they've worked their asses off for sure to get to where they're at. And um, I found like one of the quotes from the Harvard Business Review article I thought was awesome. They say, as we've argued before, the real problem is not a lack of competent females. It is too few obstacles for incompetent males which explains the surplus of overconfident, narcissistic, and unethical people in charge. So, Absolutely. <laughs> right? Like, just put that on, on everything. But yeah. even in applying for jobs, um, I don't want to misquote or misrepresent the percentage, but just men are much more likely to apply for jobs that, are com- that they are completely not qualified for than women. Yeah. Women will usually try and, you know, maybe shoot for one step of a promotion, but men are more likely to shoot for the stars. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, they're going to they're going to get it. They're going to they're going mm-hmm. to land something that maybe they're not quite qualified for. They didn't know how to get into it. And I think it was also from the Harvard Business Review article, but it was just saying that maybe men should look to women for ideas on how to be competent leaders rather than the default being that women need to take on more masculine roles and traits. And I feel like that's what you and I have been saying in the planning of this podcast. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll definitely talk about that more too on a future episode. You know, I definitely feel like women to get in those leadership roles have had to really fit the mold to make their way up there. And sometimes, you know, couldn't be authentic to themselves because they wouldn't have made it past those barriers. So it's definitely crazy. I don't know why I said that. We'll edit that. Out. <laughs> it well, is crazy. It, it is crazy. Um, <laughs> And it's interesting, you know, you navigate through your life and you think about these things bit by bit. But when you really take the time, as we're going to be taking the time to talk about these things, it is just kind of overwhelming how mm-hmm. much of this like societal pressure or cultural norms or whatever you want to call it that we just take on. Yeah. And I guess to clarify, too, we should talk a bit about male leadership versus female leadership. And even more so, I would I would define it as masculine leadership versus feminine leadership, because as we both know, that's not necessarily assigned to your gender. And people usually embody both sides of the spectrum in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I know I definitely do. Yeah. So like feminine leadership would be more at least from what we've seen from those articles and leaders uh, during the pandemic is, you know, more transparency, quick to um, make decisions and not downplay any of the information that they knew was super transparent with that and just communicating uh, from the start how big of an issue this was and could be and taking action and not hesitating on that. Absolutely. And 
I don't want to make any assumptions about what happens in the Oval Office. I am not invited to sit in on those meetings. But um, when we were kind of reading up on the task force and the plan that like Jacinda, I don't know her last name. I apologize. Jacinda, the prime minister of New Zealand and um, Merkel, who I only know her last name, Angela, um, Angela Merkel. That's a whole other conversation about <laughs> why we call women by their first names rather than their last names. Anyway, mm-hmm. but it was just really getting a task force together, being very, upfront, forthcoming. And there was never an attempt to be like, no, 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 we got this under control. Don't worry about this. This is like, this is government business where Mm -hmm. in the US, I did kind of feel like that, like, oh, no, like everyday citizen, don't worry about it. Us in Washington, we're talking about it. We have it all taken care of. And there really was a breakdown of information that was coming in. We were missing valuable information. It was purposefully being played down, which our president has admitted to. And none of these female-led countries attempted to do that. Yeah, I think we, just from like my personal life, how many times have you got told something later that it was like the truth, but totally downplayed? And you're like, what the hell? That did not make it better. (laughs) Like, So you knew, you're telling me you knew. Like, I get not wanting to incite panic and, you know, anxiety in the population, but, like, it kind of already did at the start, regardless of what the government was doing. Like, we couldn't get toilet paper, y'all. <laughs> it was <Totally>. <laughs> I mean, the grocery stores, to some extent, still are not great. Um, Mm -hmm. I am living in Arizona now, but uh, a few months ago when coronavirus was happening, I was in Oregon. I was an hour and a half away from one of the biggest epicenters at the beginning, Seattle. And there was just not fresh produce in the grocery store. There wasn't toilet paper. There wasn't cleaning supplies. There was lines and lines and lines. And I just left Oregon like six weeks ago, and it was still the same. Mm-hmm. At least in my community, yeah. you know, it's different everywhere, but kind mm-hmm. of that not wanting to incite panic, but it really does feel like the like ripping of the bandaid thing. Like, do you mm-hmm. want to slowly pull it off and really drag out whatever pain, discomfort, misinformation, or do you want to just like pull it off and get down to business? And mm-hmm. I definitely wish that we would have just handled this eight months ago. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we're not to say that it would have ended up, you know, I'm sure it would be different now, but would it be better? You know, we're not saying that. Yeah. Because we'll never know. (laughs) You just, there's so many factors involved, but, you know, some of the other things too, that women leaders and like feminine leadership embodies is like the level of self-awareness and just how they handle themselves as people. And also too, I think, empathy has been a huge one too um i can't remember which leader it was but she made commercials for kids like of how what what was going on talking to them about what was going on um it is just interesting too i mean here in the u.s we have like a sesame street special for kids Mm -hmm. which is very nice but i do also just want to say like leading with like empathy compassion trustworthiness being upfront these aren't things that like women innately have over men this is not Mm -hmm. like having a conversation about how women are born with traits that men just are not. It's that Mm -hmm. expectation of how women navigate through their lives is for them to be 
overly communicative, for them to be mm-hmm. overly qualified, for them to be trustworthy and honest and upfront, because you can get yourself into trouble if you're not. And yeah. I just think that some people, especially in kind of the seedier side of politics, those aren't their morals. That's not where they mm-hmm. find their purpose. So that's not how they're going to lead. Mm-hmm. And those just happen to be men. We have very stand up strong male leadership in our country, but unfortunately I don't believe that that's reflected in our highest office right now. Yeah, I would say definitely not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, men, I mean, I know plenty of men and work with plenty of men that are great and terrific leaders. And it's just, you know, looking to those more feminine qualities and embracing those because that's part of what, Um, society has done to men too is that made them have to feel like they have to be overly macho overly masculine be cutthroat to make it to the top and you know we're just seeing that's just not true nor is it the best way to do things as time goes on it's just becoming more and more apparent well and also this idea that like men have to be and I think I'm using this word right, impermeable. Is that right? That like they can't admit that they were like wrong or admit defeat. Like mm-hmm. our president at any time could have been like, hey, man, <laughs> I had this a little mixed up from the start. Let's regroup. But instead, it's such a like dig your heels in, don't prove you're wrong kind of mentality. And just I don't think we're unfortunately we're not benefiting from it. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, we're also not as far past that as I thought we might have been, even just earlier this year, really. Because we see so many great people, you know, in the research world, like we're both fans of Adam Grant and his work. Shout out to Adam. Shout out to Adam Grant. An amazing male leader, by the way. Yes, he just wrote his second book, too. So here's a free plug, Adam. (laughs) Everyone go look him up, get his book. (laughs) Repost his tweets on your Instagram story like Taylor and I do. Yeah, yeah. You can learn a lot from him. So, you know, we need more men like him in charge. And he's totally embracing this idea of like feminine leadership and taking it on and showing men like I mean vulnerability is like seen as a weakness but personally if when you try to be vulnerable it's literally one of the hardest things at least for me to do it's so scary yeah yeah and just tying that into the fact that we're even doing this podcast right now like we are just two young women (laughs) who we love having conversations like this. And these are things that really, really matter to us. And we want to open up the dialogue. But unfortunately, it is frustrating that like vulnerability is not seen as a um, as a plus or like a positive personality trait. It's not something that if people said like, what's my ideal leader? What's my ideal partner? What's my, my personal ideal character traits? I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people would put vulnerability, but we should start. Yeah. I'm hoping it's going that way. I feel like it's starting to, you know, Brene Brown also very popular. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm hoping it's headed that way. It's hard to tell. You know, I feel like we can all get in our little bubbles of what we feel like is happening on the world. And especially because we're able to really cherry pick what we consume. Absolutely. And like, you know, Instagram's very targeted to what you like. 
TikTok even more so targeted. I feel like the TikTok algorithm is in my brain sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like it's low-key scary, but I also am like really like it (laughs) but yeah so I'm hoping you know this is why we really want people to engage with us let us know what you think like do you think people are embracing vulnerability more in a leadership setting do you think it's headed that way is there hope (laughs) well and kind of with that too like another interesting thing I was seeing in a lot of these articles it was saying that maybe these countries that have female leaders they just are more progressive they Mm -hmm. don't have such a hard time with gender roles they don't have as much income inequality they don't have as many social justice issues um you know issues with socioeconomic class, with race, with sexual identity. And we're really hoping that those are things that us as like a community and a nation can get over. I think the fact that we are not to be like two and I'm proud to be an American, but um, it is really awesome that we're a country built on people who are so different. But for whatever reason right now, it's not the positive it's not the pro that i wish it would be it's almost like an obstacle we have to get over rather Mm -hmm. than something we're trying to embrace definitely i would say we especially would like to hear if for some amazing stroke of luck someone from germany or finland Finland, Finland, if you're listening let us know what it's like out there (laughs) throw us a life raft we'd love to hear yeah i haven't visited any of those places or many countries you're more well traveled than i am for sure i have been to germany they have a great recycling program there um anything that probably kind of leans towards those progressive ideals as well but it is just interesting and this may be a part one of a conversation we'll see if We'll check back in in January and we'll see where we're at and we'll see if we can kind of continue to have these same talks. I am hopeful Mm -hmm. that we'll be in a better position when this episode goes live. Um, But even if we are in a better position when this episode goes live and coronavirus isn't at the front of your brain, please just like remember and check in that only two and a half months ago, it was still really, really hurting people. And it was still very, very Mm -hmm. harmful um, for health reasons. And also just for whatever reason, the, the hate people are spewing and the aggression that people are bringing to these situations. So be kind to yourself, be kind to other people. Yeah, we are so easy. Well, it's so we're so quick to forget as humans in general, you know, what we've gone through, especially things that are traumatic, which this would be definitely categorized as that because as much as we joke about the pandemic and, you know, lockdown and going into quarantine, sucking in the mask knee, like it's not it's not a joke. You know, it's how we're coping and making light with it. That's what people do. But, you know, a lot of people have died and it's still affecting a lot of people and families and other ways than just directly, you know, people getting sick, but people not being able to see their families in hospitals and yeah, just so many, so many things. Yeah. So before we make this like a six hour long conversation, um, 
I am just hopeful that we'll be in a better situation than we're in. I'm hopeful that we'll move forward and there'll be more gender equality in our country. And then it will be reflected in leadership because in leadership such as like the president, because having a female president is not the goal if we still don't feel like boots on the ground, you, me, and the people who are listening to this podcast, if they still don't feel like things are on the up and up, then we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, totally. And I think we just got a really good example of that with Barack Obama holding office and um, everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement still today. Mm Yeah, so if you made it through the first episode, Honey and Heart, we thank you so, so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it at least a little bit. And like we said, we totally want to hear from you. Absolutely. So please connect with us. We have a really rad website that as of right now, I have not seen, but by the time this comes out, it'll be beautiful. Honeyandheartpod.com or you can find us at honeyandheartpod on Instagram. Instagram would probably be the easiest because you can follow us and then we'll have our link right there in the bio. Mm -hmm. Um, Please join us. Please be a part of the community. Let us know what you like, you don't like. If there's something that you're like, oh my gosh, I've been talking with my friends about this for weeks and weeks. I want to hear what you have to say. We'll do the research and read the Harvard Business Review article so you don't have to. Um, Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Send us a DM. Send us an email. (laughs) I'm probably making this too long right now. (laughs) I'm not at any point. So have a good evening, and we will talk to you the next time. All right. If we started it with hi, we should end it with a bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye, Jacqueline. Bye, Taylor. (laughs) Bye.